0: and welcome to Caffey Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, January 3rd. It is my dog Tiger's birthday today. We picked the most awful day of the year when people are returning to work on Monday after all the excitement of Christmas and New Year's for his birthday, because then we wanted to make it a happy day. Welcome, Carter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Gary. (laughs) You just picked his birthday arbitrarily? You like, this is your birthday?
0: Well, yeah, we needed to pick a birthday. And Anthony has this really funny antagonistic thing with Tiger where he talks a lot of crap about him. And then uh. if I say anything, he's like, well, you should hear what Tiger says about me. And so he told him, he told him we're going to pick January 3rd for his birthday because it's the worst day ever.
1: Well, Anthony's wrong about one thing. Well, I've learned that January 6th is the worst day of the year because it's the anniversary of the worst thing ever since the civil war.
0: Uh, oh yeah, so you
1: might you might want to adjust to uh, yeah maybe we, should,
0: maybe we should wait till later later in the week. Oh yeah I've heard I've seen that. I've seen them gearing up for some big commemoration. Isn't CNN doing some kind no. of like town special town hall about January sixth
1: yeah I actually I have an article we can go through later. Uh it's pretty funny. I think it's pretty funny. They're doing well, like, the reporters are like traumatized. They're talking about their own trauma. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> <This> <laughs> it's, is, it's worse than like, AOC. It's like living through, I think the difference when you, when people have lived through other periods of time in totalitarian kind of government where there's a lot of mass propaganda and mass psychosis, there wasn't social media. <laughs> and so maybe it didn't happen as fast. The propaganda pieces didn't come as fast and the narratives they developed didn't come as fast. But we're living in a time with all of that and social media. So it it, it adds something different to the, to the effect of it, I think. It,
1: Have you been it, reading about this uh, mass formation stuff that's been trending lately?
0: Yes, I would love to talk about that. Do you want me to do the up top stuff that I just skipped over real quick?
1: Oh, yeah, we should do all that. Here. But you just reminded me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. Welcome to the new year, guys. If it's your first time here, this is Unsafe Space. You can find us at unsafespace.com. You can also support the show financially if you want on our donate page. You can join our book club at our website, which is free to join. And what else? Like and subscribe.
1: Our next book is Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky, January 30th. So you have time still. I just started though. I'm like two chapters in. So do you have it, Carrie?
0: No, I think you need to send it to me.
1: (laughs) I just realized like, did we ever send you a copy? No. How could you have started?
0: I might have a copy, but all of my possessions are in another house. So we'll send you a copy. (laughs) Do you want?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, so you don't have to even have started it yet. See? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. How was it? How was your break before we do anything? How was your break?
0: I have mixed feelings about it. How's yours?
1: <laughs> it was too short. Yeah. It was too short. I enjoyed it, but uh, I was just at the end of the two-week break getting to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I can start enjoying my break now. That happened like two days ago. So. Oh,
0: I see. Uh, yeah. I hung out oh, well. with the knitters. That was fun on the Unsafe Space Knitting Zoom. And that was relaxing, and yeah. yeah, there's a lot of house stuff happening. So anyway, it's been good. It's going to be great. We're going to have a, we should have a lot. It's of be a good year. Yeah, and all the yes. It's freezing here. At, like past two nights in Texas. Texas has weird weather. It changes very quickly. So in South Carolina, I live. I'm from South Carolina. We had all the all four seasons as well. But typically, once you're in the cold season, you're in the cold season. And when you're in the warm season, you're in the warm – Texas is sort of like, I'm gonna be 80 degrees today. And then the next day it's like 30, how about 30 or 25? It just sort of jumps around, then it'll go back to eighty. It's the weirdest
1: thing. <laughs> uh all right. Well, we could talk about lots of different stuff if you want. Um where do you wanna where do you wanna start? I mean why don't
0: we start with that article that you queued up? Because that relates to something I queued up to talk about as well. I'd like to talk oh, about how okay how they are going to construct this ridiculous january 6th they're trying to put this into history flash like think 30 years from now how are they going to tell the story of the COVID years and of trump and one part of how they're going to tell the story is they're going to try and treat january 6th like pearl harbor
1: i was i was just going to say that i was going to say like (laughs) my grandfather is going to be telling stories or did tell stories about being, he was in Pearl Harbor and got bombed. He'll tell stories of his friends dying and surviving being bombed in Pearl Harbor. And my generation will tell stories to their kids about, I didn't have internet access on January 6th and I was reporting and it was very traumatic.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: That will be, I have post-traumatic stress disorder because there was a, some people broke some windows and doors in the Capitol building.
0: But the way they'll say it is a group of traitorous insurgents.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, it'll sound like the Red Army.
0: Republican Party (laughs) insurgents and that they try to overthrow democracy. They use all these (laughs) words like insurgency, overthrow. What's the other word they're using that's crazy? None of these people were armed, by the way. You're going to go to a... I think it's (laughs) kind of funny. they're They're trying to overthrow the government. There was like grandmas there. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And and let's just point out, it's a population of people who are disproportionately probably firearms owners. And still, they didn't shoot anyone.
0: Yeah. nobody (laughs) They they didn't bring weapons.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So, um, Beverly, do you see it in Notion? If not, I can try and share my screen, although I'm not even sure that'll work right now. But it's a CNN business article. Titled "One Year Later," reporters are... <laughs> reporters let's let's focus on uh, the subject for just a moment. One year later, reporters are still processing what happened on January sixth. Oh, just like AOC, they're processing what it's like. Is Beverly saying she doesn't have it? Okay, hold on. Sorry, everyone.
0: That's okay. I. It looks like you're going down into your desk to get I, your article I, out. I,
1: <laughs> yeah I should uh, I should be printed out no I have to reset some stuff we've had several power outages over the holidays so um yeah
0: As things you're things it, all got reset I've been I've been thinking about big picture anyway let me just say that since we're on this this sort of the same avenue of thought I've been thinking about how are they going to tell the story of the covid years because you know 20 30 years from now look look whether things get back to normal or not, and I don't think they're going to, but let's say they did get back to normal. How would they tell the the story of these years? They're not going to say it was a time of mass hysteria and mass psychosis and authoritarianism where the government destroyed countless lives and small businesses and made everything much worse and grabbed more power for themselves. They're not going to say that. What they're going to say is, I think it's going to be um, sort of like a war effort narrative where they're like, we all had to pitch in and sacrifice during this horrible, deadly pandemic. We all pitched in. And clo- it could and our be. Got, yeah.
1: It could be, although if it follows one possible trajectory, the way that it may end up being talked about is how the Weimar Republic gets talked about in pre-Nazi Germany, which is like, well – here were the conditions by which the population enabled a like mass totalitarian government. And now that it's been defeated, we can in retrospect talk about it and look, I mean, I'm, I'm well, being the, the optimist. Maybe right. that could be the path.
0: Right, <laughs> if, the, if the truth gets told, yes. If you're an optimist and the truth gets told, that's how it'll be talked about. But if the truth doesn't get told, they're gonna try to tell a story of we all made many sacrifices. Kids, because they're now saying, just one last bullet point on this, all the mass media, the mainstream media, the legacy media, whatever you want to call it, they're all now saying the things that wrong thinkers have been saying for two years. They're saying, oh my goodness, look at this skyrocketing anxiety rates with children and teenagers. Oh my goodness. What's all the psycho- psychological damage that we've done for the past two years. And they're saying all that, and they're talking about small businesses being decimated, but I think they're going to try and spin it into, well, we had to make these sacrifices because it was a threat, and we did it mm-hmm. willingly, kind of thing. Ugh, it just grosses me out, but I hope you're right. I hope the truth gets told.
1: Well, yeah, who knows? I'm and and it, <clears throat> the truth may never get told, but it could be that the, the the exact truth may never get told, but it could be that later on we're looking at a failure and trying to analyze what happened leading up to the failure, and people are conjecturing about what was going on. I don't know. Yes. All right, Beverly, I see you found the article. So throw it up. So it's just this is a short article in CNN Business. It's the the headline is one year later reporters are still processing what happened on January 6th. Um
0: <laughs> reporters.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: How are the reporters doing, Carter?
1: Well, so <laughs> this is the interesting thing. I was like, no, they must be talking about how other people are processing, which is already ridiculous. But no, they're talking about themselves <laughs> because that's the state of reporting. So let's see, let's read a couple quotes. So it starts with Grace Seegers, a staff writer for at The New Republic, who says, We're all kind of feeling the same thing right now, this sort of disbelief that already a year has gone by and here we are. Okay, whatever. But then we go on to the next quote is from uh, <clears throat> this guy. Okay, Hunter that's Walker. how
0: that's how everybody feels about. A year
2: passing anyway.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a non-statement, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't believe my kids a year older. All right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Uh, Hunter Walker, author of the newsletter "The Uprising" and a contributor to Rolling Stone, so we know where his politics are. Um, so he says many Americans are still not truly aware of the extent of what happened that day. <laughs> I guess there's things that happen that we just don't know that they're keeping to themselves. And not just due to active attempts to deny the seriousness of the event. Many journalists were working from home due to COVID, so they weren't even there. Uh, And jammed cell signals delayed the release of videos from the Capitol. Okay? So here's what he says about this. There's a bit of informal network of reporters who've been through it that day and are still coping with that. We are leaning on each other and talking to each other. (laughs) I don't understand what he's coping with. Jammed cell networks? Is that what he, he's coping with a year later?
2: What?
1: Talk about fragility. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. So then some journalists have been candid about post-traumatic stress disorder following the insurrection. Now that's wow. a link. And I was like, oh, is there a story about journalists and PTSD? No, that link actually takes you to PTSD of uh, guards that were there. So the link has nothing to do – often you put in links, like you make statements and you put in links as if they're references. Like, oh, this link will support the thing I'm saying. But that doesn't – the link has nothing to do with journalists and PTSD. It has something to do with guards, which is questionable as it is. And then – so Walker said one hallmark of PTSD. This is a reporter, by the way, guys, just to remind you. A reporter talking about having worked from home and now having PTSD because of January 6th. Walker said one hallmark of PTSD is to have eerily clear flashbacks, something he was experiencing when reflecting on January 6th, which is also a funny sentence. Hey, Carrie, when I reflect on that soccer game when I was 13 years old, I have flashbacks of it. What do you know?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I experience flashbacks. I guess I have PTSD. It's, uh, yeah, okay. It's immediate. Playing- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I think they're playing pretty fast and dirty with the definition of PTSD. A lot of people just throw that around and they don't actually mean PTSD. It's you think? To yeah.
1: <laughs> There's, I mean, PTSD, we used to use it to describe people who had their legs blown off in war and watched their friends die. And now we're using it to describe CNN reporters who were working from home during a mild riot and had jammed cell phone coverage that's yeah. that's where we're using it so i just yeah. want to be clear that's what we're using it for
0: right um after by the just, way after after over a year of much larger and deadlier riots and fires arson all across the u.s like these right. journalists have already Uh, Do they not have PTSD from any of the Black Lives Matter riots where they burned down businesses and killed people? They don't have any, I don't know. It's just kind of suspicious to me that suddenly, oh, we have PTSD about this thing. What happened at this thing? Well, there was a huge rally, and some participants of that rally went into the Capitol, stormed the Capitol, stormed. But, you know, that and we have PTSD because of it. Really? There were people, you know, firebombing businesses. People lost
1: their businesses. Lots of people lost their entire business.
0: And how many stories do they have on David? Yeah,
1: right. Where's the CNN roundtable discussion with people who had their lives utterly destroyed and lost loved ones because of Black Lives Matter riots? None. But here we are. Reporters talking about this. Seegers goes on to say. She was working inside the Capitol and didn't have access to her electronics in the reporter's galley. gallery. Uh-oh. This is a problem. And those feelings are going to stay with her no matter how long. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I feel like this is a preteen complaining that their, their parents took away their cell phone for a few hours. I'm traumatized. <laughs> those, the feelings, carry. they will stay with her no matter how long it is. I noticed the seat that I had been sitting in and just for a flash of a moment I remember being there on January 6th when we were locked in before we were evacuating. I'm sorry. That's the chair uh, I sat
0: in the day for the journalists on the gr- yeah.
1: yeah, for the journalists on the ground, it was clear that what was happening was a violent attempt to overturn a free and fair election. Oh, oh it was clear for you guys on the ground. That's good. I'm glad. thought it was clear for you Uh, we don't i mean this article they don't
0: give any they don't give any it's not a we don't have to prove to you we journalists don't have to prove to you that this was a violent attempt to overturn a fair like a free and fair election we don't have to prove that to you we can just say we're journalists and it was clear to us (laughs) okay
1: yeah i mean i trust you journalists Yeah, we don't have to read the rest of it. There's not much yeah. left anyway. We can we can kill it, but um. Yeah, I've so I'm I was thinking of this in relation to I, I don't even know why mass formation was really trending other than that there was a guy Mateus Desmet I guess who was who talked about it on I don't know if he was on Rosen was, or something but. Doctor Malone, he? I think, also
0: talked about. Oh, Dr. it. Oh,
1: Doctor Malone talked about it. Yes, oh, okay, and that's okay.
0: Then Google. I saw Posobiec uh, mention this. Google started, it looked like Google was mani- manually manipulating the search results. So when people, there was a certain time over the weekend where if you Googled mass formation psychosis, it was saying, oh, it looks like these results are changing quickly. I'll send you a screenshot. So they weren't showing any results because they were going in and deleting ones.
1: This thing that's over 100 years old, the results are changing quickly. They're too fast yeah, for us to.
0: Too fast.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, okay. So someone says it, it was Malone that talked about Unrogan. Well, I mean, I, I read a little bit about it and, and um, cause I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff. And one thing that struck me is we, and we can talk about it in more detail, but one thing that struck me about the ridiculousness of the CNN article is that um, one of the things that you see in, in when you have mass formation, which we can talk about what it is, but it's, a, it's kind of like a, a form of hypnosis like mass hypnosis is that the rituals that people engage in and the narratives get increasingly ridiculous and absurd right and so um and it doesn't matter how ridiculous and absurd they get uh and actually the ritualistic nature of them is is more powerful Yes. if they're the more absurd they are yes um so yes. this would be for mask wearing and stuff like that but also for like weird narratives like i have ptsd because i my cell network was jammed during <laughs> january yeah. 6th and i was sitting at home and couldn't exchange videos with brian stelter <laughs> right um so that's one of the things that really struck me that about this was this this idea that the rituals become um more powerful when they're more absurd. And that actually explains a lot of the absurdity we're seeing because if you look at this, we should back up and probably talk about mass formation, but if we look at this in terms of mass formation it's like, oh, we shouldn't be surprised that they're getting increasingly absurd.
0: Yes. it's It makes me think of uh, oh gosh, who is that? I'd have to look it up. I wish I'd this quote up beforehand. I think it was a Salton quote, but it was someone talking about how when you're living under a totalitarian regime they know it was a great quote of like they know that you know that they're lying but the point the point is that they want you to still have to comply while knowing that they're lying there's a there's a because it it involves a bit of humiliation as well it's a surrendering of your dignity they want you to surrender your dignity it's not enough the people who believe it and go along with it—that's not as satisfying to a psych- psychopathic belief system. I think. Right. Um, they want—they would prefer to have the people, like the wrong things, the people who are awake, the people who know that this is all a farce. They want to see those people have to comply with their version right. of reality. And Right. It's like sadistic. It's the same with sadistic people. There's sadistic belief systems. There's sadistic people, and and they they get off on it you know, they enjoy it. <laughs> it's hard do. to
1: not draw the analogy to 1984, right? And, and how yeah. Winston Smith was treated. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah.
0: I didn't see that so, first super chat because I was trying not to lose my train of thought. What did it say?
1: Oh, uh, well, let's do a couple super chats. Well, well there's okay. only two, I think. One is Two Sisters and Some Yarn says, Carrie, that was the first one. Cheers to our Queen Betty White. Super chat to Gilt Carter into watching Golden Girls in her honor smooches my loveliest bottle <laughs> I can.
0: Thank you so much, lady. It was fun I watched an episode
1: you. once and I know now from Carrie that Betty White was not Blanche. She was Rose.
0: Rose. Yes, that's who I get told <laughs> by my friend circles that I'm Rose, even though I want to be Dorothy. They say oh. I'm Rose, but you're Dorothy. I'm Dorothy. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she was. Was she the Is she the <laughs> mean one? or is that no she's
0: not mean she's just no nonsense and kind of acerbic
1: okay yeah that that could be me johnny boy quick draw says happy new year good people looking forward to an interesting 2022 um thank you and marie busky says the culture war was primed for mass public primed the public for mass formation the woke are already using mass formation techniques to spread their ideology uh that's true. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Stephen Landau says, "Hi guys, Happy New Year." Hey Stephen, Happy New Year. Because it's twenty five bucks. Thanks Stephen. Happy New Year to you. Um, yeah. So mass formation is this kind of hypnotic state, and I, based on what I've—I mean, I'm not an expert—but I, I looked at this, and it's—it's. It's, um. So psychosis generally is obviously when you have uh, uh, lost contact with reality. So mass formation psychosis is like people on mass kind of have this shared lost touch with reality thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and they start to deny evidence of data that would contradict narratives or it could be, um, the words of a leader, but it could also just be, you know, narratives and it, and it narrows their focus massively. So what happens with mass formation is your focus of attention narrows. So if you look at like COVID, for example, um, they're very focused on deaths, let's say, from COVID, right, but completely oblivious to any downsides of the vaccine or lockdowns or anything like nothing else matters. There's like, they only focus on the one thing. And my understanding is that there's four basic conditions which kind of lead to each other um, that that are necessary for mass formation. I took some notes on this because I was listening to think about this. Um, you have to have the most basic and imp- important condition is you have to have people isolated. You have to have a lack of a social bond between people. Yes. Now we don't have to talk about what lockdowns might do, but Hey, uh, do you, do you remember that <laughs> lack of a social bond?
0: Those yeah, of you who've been in book club for a while, do you remember when we read Fahrenheit 451 and one of the characters commented on how there used to be porches That the government got rid of porches. Why? Because you would sit on them and talk (laughs) and Mm -hmm. have conversations.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And don't think that online is a replacement because online, as we've seen, especially recently, but for the last several years, online there's a third party in between you and the person you're talking to. And that third party can control the conversation by banning certain things, banning people having guidelines for health standards or whatever. So, so yeah, so you have this um, lack of a social bond that leads to this lack of a sense of meaning or finding meaning or making meaning in your life a little bit. Um, And apparently that, um, again, I'm just quoting or or regurgitating something I I read Uh, that then leads to like this, you have a lot of free floating anxiety. Um, And by free floating, it means you don't have um, – there's this psychological discontent, but you don't have an object for it. You don't have a mental representation of like this is why I'm anxious, right? It's not like yes. I'm anxious because there's a tornado company coming and I can see it. It's it's like I'm anxious and I don't know why. Um, yes. And you can have I a,
0: jump yeah, on this one too? Yeah. So that's a great example of what it felt like, and I think I've said even on this show before. That's what it felt like when I was in SJW is I had low-grade – like low grade mm. background anxiety all the time. And I now identify, I don't have that anymore. I now identify that as, I think I think what it was is when a person doesn't have a foundation, as you say, of meaning, they don't have a strong, I had a belief system, but it didn't have a strong foundation. Because once I started interrogating that belief system, it all fell apart. The foundation of that belief system is crap. <laughs> Yep. So, so when you're living a life and your foundation's not strong, I think you're always going to have, even if you're not aware of it, it's like you're in a delusion. You've got this low-grade anxiety about it because somewhere in, in your psyche, you know that your your foundation is like shifting sands. And right. People need meaning and, and so, foundation. And- yeah, and so you've got all these people out here who don't have a solid foundation running around with this free-floating anxiety low-grade mm-hmm. anxiety all through their life, and we see them online. Um, there was a popular, I'll, just one final thing on this one. There was a popular, um, a tweet from Cernovich that that went pretty big this weekend of a, a TikTok video of this girl making this fun, peppy video. She's like, a quick survey of the, all the SSRI dosages in my family. And then she went around the room and showed each person with some fun music and then put on the screen what they're taking. And it must've been six or seven people in her family, most of them under the age of, of 30 or 40. And they were all, it was all like Zoloft, 25 milligrams, you know, Adavan, five milligrams, Adderall, this many milligrams. Um, uh, and, they, and they, you know, Lexapro, I forget. They were, anyway, it was a whole list of them for each person. And the videos sort of showing yeah. like this is normal. Everybody's on antidepressants. Yeah. Everybody. Why? Yeah. It's that low-grade anxiety, yeah. my opinion. But anyway, okay. Enough. Enough.
1: Yeah. Well, and that that one leads to another related one, which is this free-floating frustration and aggression. Okay. Right. Again, without an object, and the 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 Dr. Matthias Desment, or whatever his name was. Uh, I was listening to a thing that he was talking about, and he said, "What people fail to realize is that even prior to COVID." There was a lot of there was already an epidemic of burnout and free floating anxiety and stuff already in society. And we've seen kind of that because we've been talking about the mental and psychological breakdown of 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 people in society and how how it's gotten gotten to be a mess. And so there was already that free floating anxiety. So it was kind of a, a prime environment and one he's Belgian and one uh, similar statistic that he cited that reflects what you're talking about is that of 11 million people which is the population of belgium and per year there were 300 million doses of antidepressants being administered to the population in belgium which is like a ridiculous i mean granted if you just divide it's like okay well you know there's it's 30 roughly 30 times but that's the whole population like that's like twice a month for the whole population is my math wrong that's like twice a month for the entire population or something ridiculous it's it's crazy um, so, uh, he, he was saying there's ar- there was already this. And so what happened during COVID is the media provided an object for them to connect their anxiety to a scapegoat in essence. Right. And once yeah. you have that scapegoat, people glom onto it yes. and then, then they get psychological benefit from it because then, that feeling of their So first of all, their anxiety is no longer um, free floating, which is much easier to deal with. There's a target for it. Same with their yes. frustration and aggression. Um, and they get social connection because suddenly they're all fighting this common enemy together. Yes. Right. Like, you know, when all the movies, when the aliens attack, suddenly the entire globe unifies to fight them. And they all feel they're, you know, commies and and freedom, freedom lovers are holding hands because mm-hmm. they're fighting the aliens and no one gives a crap about any of that. They just want to survive. Um, Or after 9-11,
0: how people came together.
1: Right. So, so they, they get that sense of social contact back. They get that sense of community, which actually helps provide meaning because now they've got a collective shared meaning. They're all fighting this, this bad enemy together. And so he said, it's very difficult because, um, you get this kind of new solidarity that emerges and it's very difficult to fight at that point because, um, Once once that kind of irrational scapegoat has been named and they've glommed onto it, they no longer have the susceptibility um, for this other like they don't have those features anymore. And now they've they're kind of psychologically not healthy, but symptomatically healthy. They kind of feel pretty good about it now. They don't they feel have the negative feelings they had before.
0: Yes, because they can put it all on. This is absolutely, to go along with what I said, the personal mm-hmm. anecdotal experience. I think a lot of SJWs in my world, they all have the free-floating anxiety, but it helps to a degree. It's like uh, putting a Band-Aid on it. They, it helps to a degree to be able to focus on something and say, that's the reason I have it. Because the worst thing is like not knowing where it's coming right. from. But to be able to say that's
1: that disconnected form of free floating. Yeah.
0: Yes. And so um, George W. Bush was he was a good target for me at a certain point Mm -hmm. in my life as an SJW. I put all of it on him the way the way that a lot of people put it all on Trump. I was doing that early on George W. Bush and you and you really dump it there. And that becomes the focus, like all the problems in the world or the, the result of this person, this party, what, what have you. And then, yeah, it's hard to shake people out of that. It becomes, and then it becomes part of their identity too, hating this person or hating this ideology.
1: Right. It's, right. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's what the, and that's what like, uh, totalitarians can seize on, right? Yes. Because a totalitarian and, and actually the, this, this professor, who I'd love to talk to at some point, he had, uh, he made a distinction that i don't often hear between classical dictatorship and totalitarians uh, and totalitarianism and he said in a classical dictatorship you, you'll love this because at events like it just ties perfectly together with censorship and everything else in a classical dictatorship once the opposition has been silenced the dictator typically becomes milder and less aggressive because the aggression and the extreme in extremism was just to get into power and then they can actually let go of that after they've silenced some, some of the, the oppression. But for totalitarians, the opposite is true. Once they've silenced the opposition, that's when they can really capitalize on mass formation because opposition to the narrative and mass formation is an antidote to mass formation. It like helps stop mass formation when, they're, when people speak up. right? So once they've silenced opposition, mass formation can really take hold – And then they can use it to just start putting forth more and more absurd and ridiculous ideas and doing more and more absurd and horrible things. And so he was saying that the distinction between this classical dictatorship and the totalitarianism is that totalitarianism uses this mass formation in a way that uh, a classical dictatorship doesn't, which to me is pretty scary because if we look now at what's going on. Uh, maybe you disagree, Carrie, but I think it fits with the trend that I've seen, where the more they silence, the more outrageous they start getting with respect to their narratives. Right? The more they yes. try and, you know, um, it fits.
0: Yeah. It fits. That's why people continually, I think, we we find ourselves people we know asking, like, how can they double down on this? This is insane. Or <laughs> like, how can they? How can they contradict themselves so openly and blatantly?
1: It doesn't matter it doesn't matter they've right? <laughs> like narrowed their focus so much yeah. in fact even on I, I heard this this morning on npr and i was floored i was floored that they dare have this on but it makes sense in respect if you just put it in the context of mass formation that it doesn't matter because <clears throat> they're not paying they don't no one cares about it but yeah. they had this guy on his name was professor uh james goodwin and he guess he wrote a book about uh brain health or whatever he's like a brain health dude they talked about Phineas gauge the guy with that spike in his brain in the 1800s or whatever um but he talked about he he got into talking about the importance of a social life and I I wrote this quote down because it was ridiculous he said if you're lonely it's as damaging to your health he's talking about your brain health if you're lonely it's as damaging to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and drinking a bottle of vodka it's also the predictor of dementia Being lonely, like being lonely, right? Uh. So the the NPR host, who maybe will get fired for asking this, then says, well, hey, what about this collective trauma of the COVID lockdowns? And this guy says, well, um, this is a quote. I wrote it down because I couldn't believe he said it and they played it. Well, the first thing I'd like to say, if I wanted to devise a plan to damage the health of the nation, I'd go for lockdown. It's enormously damaging like that was like right out of the gate what he said and at first i was very shocked that they would have this on npr and they would talk about this but if we think about it in terms of mass formation it doesn't matter like yeah this is this is one of those negative consequences that is outside of the narrow focus the field of vision so they can they can mention it they probably shouldn't be and don't want to be mentioning it but they can mention it and it doesn't really have much of an impact because no one's looking at it no one cares no plus
0: it's i i've I've recognized this about sociopaths, individuals, and about sociopathic ideologies, if you want to call it that, or movements or totalitarian. They can also say things that obviously apply to them and don't and without recognizing that it applies to them or acknowledging that it applies to them and put it on everyone else. So they can even say yeah. things like. You could see the regime, they, they could say the CDC tomorrow could say loneliness is very damaging and you shouldn't isolate yourself and then be like, we support lockdowns. It doesn't matter, <laughs> like it doesn't have to go right. together. And you're like, right, but your policy pushes loneliness and isolation. No, it doesn't.
1: Right. Like which gets it, back to this absurdity, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and the way that, the way that this NPR reporter dismissed it after this conversation was he basically said. Well, but we had to lock down. What do we do now? How do we deal with the psychological effects that are damaged? Like, Uh, I guess we have to be smoking 15 cigarettes a day and drinking vodka. So how do we deal with the effects of that? Because we have to. It's like, all right. uh.
0: This is what I was saying about, uh, I think the, oh gosh, this is what I was saying about, I think what the narrative is going to be. Like you just said, he said, well, we had to do this. We did not have to do this. Plenty of us were arguing against it all two years and more came on board. There were people who disagreed with me at the beginning of the lockdowns. They disagreed with me opposing them, but now they agree. We've picked up lots of people who oppose authoritarianism along the way. But they want to pretend like we had to do this. And I think that's the narrative they're going to try to create is say, well, we all had to make sacrifices. We had to lock down the schools. We had to shut down small businesses. We had to do mask mandates. We had to damage children's psychology to such a degree. But no, yeah. we didn't.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like, well, we had to do this. Now we, now, how do we deal with the trauma that we had to inflict yeah. on ourselves? And yeah. we'll continue to inflict, by the way. Um because it's still going on. I mean, at least here it's, in California, they're yeah. still doing this crap.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and also, if that's the narrative they tell, there's no recognition of wrongdoing. There's no acceptance of responsibility. And you will do it again because you haven't right. told the true story, which is that psychopaths and authoritarians pushed psychopathic authoritarian policies and the, the public rolled over and allowed it to happen because of mass psychosis, because of fear, the fears are being exploited. Do you know? Like what? So if that's the story that's told, how do you prevent that from happening again? Cause you haven't even yeah. acknowledged what really
2: happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it does it, if you just want to sit back and think about history, it does mean that probably this particular reaction is not something that we would experience at any moment in history, but that we were particularly primed to have this kind of reaction um, and and create this kind of acceptance of of totalitarianism and this mass this mass formation psychosis. Um, and you know, I I I don't know a lot about the Weimar Republic. I mean, I know a little bit about it, but it makes me want to study more what Germany was like right before um the rise of Nazis and what their um what the psychology was was like.
0: Right? This book I recommended before, Hitler's Compromises, is really good. Mm. That's by Nathan. you probably understood Stoltz. this stuff. I mean on some level. Yeah, I think so. Hitler. I think some people just understand this stuff on a gut level and what's the difference between somebody who knows how to manipulate and control and bully people on an individual basis in their real lives and somebody who can do that on a large scale? Like I was talking about this to my husband over the weekend. We were talking about the difference between sociopaths and psychopaths because I saw Josh Slocum had said, there's not really a difference. They're just, those words are interchangeable. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Is that, and and, and, and a lot of times people have trouble defining the difference between those words. And so, anyway, my husband was saying, well, one de- difference he's heard, one definition he's heard is that a psychopath hurts and preys upon individuals and manipulates and tries to control individuals, whereas a sociopath does that on a large scale. Well, if that's the definition that you're using, psychopaths are. I mean, a lot of them are both like Ted Bundy is a great example. You could say he exercised control and abuse and manipulation over individuals and took their lives. But he also was in politics like he wanted the ability to do that on a mass scale as well. I don't think people who do it on the individual level have some sort of like, but I don't have any interest in doing that on a large scale. (laughs) Like can they do. Yeah. (laughs)
1: I don't know. I, don't know. I, I remember having tried to figure out I, – I remember several times looking up the difference between uh, psychopathy and sociopathy, and mm-hmm. I feel like I do that every couple of years and every time I get a different answer yeah. <laughs> from whatever source I find. So I've kind of been like, uh, I guess I don't really know what the difference is. I know that psychopathy – and maybe this is true for sociopathy as well. I, I think psychopathy, there's a literal brain function problem, right? They can't feel – Empathy, which is why they have to practice – they they mimic behaviors, right? They mimic yeah. emotional responses because but they so can't actually – That's
0: also true for sociopaths, though.
1: Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So. They,
0: you know what's interesting? I read this uh, article about a guy – oh, gosh. What was the title? It was basically a guy who said, you know, I'm a well-balanced, healthy, successful doctor, and I'm married, and I have kids, and I'm a psychopath. And that was sort of the title. I'm paraphrasing, but the piece was interesting because he did—he was doing brain imaging of psychopaths and looking at how different parts of their brains light up. And just for shits and giggles, he did his own brain and was like, "Oh, I have the same brain." Mm. <laughs> and so, mm. so, but his his story is interesting to me. Because, and then he he asked friends and family, and they were like, "Yeah, you are, you are psychopath." Um, but
1: he, <laughs> why are they why are they around him I don't know I don't is know he like also, a good psychopath is there a thing is there such a thing as like a like psychopath Dexter? who still behaves well yeah I don't know like Dexter
0: yeah, he, yeah. Th- he sort of he said after he started learning more about his own psychopathy he started he fakes it more and better with his wife there's part of him that cares about his wife on some level maybe it's just a selfish but he does fake. He was saying in the article, he fakes uh, caring about her emotions and stuff. He tries to be more caring and thoughtful, like a normal human would be. And and she recognizes his effort, too. And I'm like, but that's so interesting. Why are you with him? Anyway, what's interesting about it is that he's sort of was saying, how is it that I, I'm a psychopath, but I'm a successful doctor and I have a family and I have all this. And it's sort of like, well, most, most psychopaths aren't murderers. And, and I think it gets to the nature right. versus nurture thing. It's a little bit of both. It's like not everybody who was raised in a horribly abusive home becomes a dangerous psychopath. And not every person who has maybe a brain that lights up the way his does becomes a danger. It just depends. It's sort of if he having the brain he had, having the, the the nature that he had, if he were raised in a horribly abusive environment, would he have become the kind of psychopath who murders lots of people? Yeah, maybe.
2: I don't know. Yeah. It's like a mix of
1: both, right? Yeah, it also raises some interesting questions, which I don't think I'm prepared to even discuss on the show, but like what's the yet? Because I haven't thought about it, maybe you have, but there's this there is a difference between feeling love and committing to behaving in a loving way. Like he can love his wife through conscious behavior and actions. Yes. Um and not feel the same thing as someone who might feel a lot of love but actually totally doesn't behave well and actually doesn't yes. manifest any kind of good behavior with their spouse so maybe she's better off with the psychopath who <laughs> yes who like is trying to do the the actions of love than with someone who actually feels love but doesn't care about doing the actions. yes love or
0: or actually right. carter this mm-hmm. is how i think of borderlines is Borderlines do feel a lot. Actually, I've heard borderlines being, they're just sort of described as a person who has third degree burns of the emotions. <laughs> but they feel a lot, but they may feel a lot of love, but have trouble behaving in a way that shows that love in the right way. Does that make sense? That's in Yeah, that way, my understanding is that... Yeah
1: yeah, my understanding is that borderlines, I, correct me if I'm wrong because you know more about this than than I do, but I think they have is it the is it the hippocampus that's got it's the the or is it the amygdala? It's the amygdala that's that does the control of that helps you suppress emotion. um and they it. have like reduced or damaged or different or whatever. their amygdala doesn't function the same way. So whenever they feel things, they they have a hard time not just reacting in that moment to the feeling rather than like they're not the kind of people who can say you can't just give them advice like count to 10 take a deep breath and like (laughs) say something different than what you felt like saying like they just say what they felt like saying they don't
0: right although they can there are people who successfully uh, okay change their behavior right right if they have to get therapy and that i think that depends on how far gone you are you know what i mean like there are people who have traits of border i have some borderline traits i've reduced them in my life but there are people who have some traits there are people who have all the traits there are people who have more higher degree of the traits and i think the well the ones that have like really full-blown borderline they don't often they also have a high degree of narcissism that prevents them from trying to correct the behavior because they don't see anything okay. wrong that's the problem. Right. If you have a high degree of narcissism along with the borderline traits, it's like, you would never go. I know borderline who would, would never, would never go to a psychiatrist or therapist or anyone would seek help because there's nothing that is that person's fault. Do you know what I mean? So they're not going to correct it, but, but successfully um, from what I've read, yes, uh, cognitive behavior therapy, dialectical behavior therapy is what works. Not drugs. You don't give drugs
1: right. to, to for this, but um anyway. Yeah, do.
0: I think you're right, uh, I looked
1: it up, it's the amygdala. It is the I mean. I thought I thought it was the amygdala. And it sounds like this uh neuroscientist person that you're talking about, it sounds like he didn't have narcissism because he does want to be different for the other people in his life, like he's trying to be different for his wife.
0: Yeah. He right. probably has—he has, has some degree, but maybe not a dis, a debilitating degree of it. You know, he is a doctor. Sure. Remember, we talked about once before what professions the <laughs> psychopaths go into: surgeons, yeah, politicians, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: and CEOs of publicly traded companies. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of those
0: traits help, yeah. like with a surgeon. They don't supposedly, I guess, not being able to feel empathy they don't get queasy cutting people open and stuff, you know, there's no kind of like, that could be me. What would that feel like? Oh, fainting, you know? <laughs> like they don't
1: even... Yeah, that's true.
0: It's just like, uh,
1: it cuts the body open. Yeah. They yes. don't have yeah. There's
0: no kind of like, oh, blood. That could be my blood. Oh. <laughs> your,
1: hey, this hand with the scalpel is cutting a thing. Hmm. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: maybe, maybe that is uh maybe it's an advantage in that field. <clears throat>
0: There, I can there's someone at movie. my door. Do you have a super, some super chats? I'm gonna do a something? couple super chats. You go. Okay. You could do. I'll be feedback. right back. Um, all
1: right. Christopher Baker, uh, says Betty White was on Match Game over 400 times. I don't know what Match Game is. Does anyone in chat want to enlighten me? I don't know what Match Game is, but apparently she was on it over 400 times. I'm gonna skip G-Man's because I need Carrie to be here for it. Um. So we'll come to come back to it in a moment. Christopher Gorey says there are many qualified experts, from Professor Simon Wesley to Samantha Brooks, Doctor Samantha Brooks, trying trying to warn of lockdown dangers, but they kept being silenced. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of experts were warning it early on, warning about it early on. Non experts like us were mentioning it. I mean, it's kind of an obvious thing to mention, but um, remember, you were being accused if you talked about any downsides, uh, of. The proposed policies. You were accused of being a grandma killer and blah 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 blah. You know, one thing that one way in which um, this uh, Dr. Desmet guy was was talking about um, this mass formation and specifically the narrative that we're seeing with with COVID right now is he called he called what's going on a biological reductionist view of man and the world, which I think is a brilliant description of it. It's this idea that people are only um, like nothing affects them except for the biological contagions, right? So, like, that's all that you, they're just a biological entity that you have to preserve and keep from biological agents. Uh, and and if you veered from that at all, if you talked about the financial or social or other consequences, um, you were, you know, vilified and, and made into a demagogue. Uh, Carrie, you need to be around for this one. G Man. Man sends a super chat and I'll just read it. Travel down the road and back again, Betty. Carter, I need you, you read to read this one with appropriate level of emotion. Carrie will be the judge. How was that? Was that was that emotional? That
0: was that was the sociopathic level of emotion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Travel down the road and back again, Betty. Uh know, how can we read that with. I don't know what that is even about. Back again. Go, <laughs> uh, saw... says... oh, go ahead. You want to read it? Hi,
0: Chris Baker. He says Kyle Rittenhouse in Gretaberg turned 19 today. Well, oh, it's also Tyler's birthday today. A lot of birthdays. Wow. Going around. And, and
1: it's Bitcoin's 13th birthday today. Woo-hoo! Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: happy birthday.
1: At least someone happy liked my birthday. robotic. Voice, yes, or at least recognize that it was robotic. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's what we went through super chats. I don't remember what we were talking about before you left. But
0: well, I sent you an article. Oh, uh, that's somewhat related to what you're saying about January 6 and the narrative and the <laughs> just the craziness. So this is an article about um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. There, there was a, a lot of uh, there were a lot of high profile bannings recently. We used to do mm-hmm. purge update, and then too many people were being purged, so we just don't even. But Dr. Malone was purged from Twitter. He's now on Getter. I'm not sure where else. Um, Joe Rogan decided after after talking to Dr. Malone, he's opened a Getter account and immediately gained eight million followers there yesterday. And a bunch of people went over and created accounts there. Um, I created an account there. Uh, I don't know. I'm just looking at it briefly. It looks like, I mean, it's kind of like, that. It's, a, it's a Twitter alternative. It's built, but it, it allows for more text. There's a longer text limit in each post. So. Isn't it
1: explicitly conservative? Getter? Is that the one that's explicitly is it? conservative?
0: I don't know if it's explicitly I, conservative or not.
1: I thought so, but I'm not sure. But
0: anyway, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she opened an account there. She may have already had one there. She got banned from Twitter and she supposedly got banned for so, so like COVID misinformation, which we can talk about. But uh, but one of the things that she posted right before she got banned, and this was quoted in a lot of legacy media pieces. I don't know if you saw this, Carter, she was responding to someone else who was talking about what they thought should happen in the event of a national divorce. And she said, she replied and said something like, well, in a national divorce, that would be possible because da 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 Okay, so then the media went crazy with this. If we look her name and national divorce or civil war, you'll see tons of articles in the headlines. They basically spun it. They're lying. They're saying that she was advocating for a civil war. They're saying that she was advocating for a national divorce.
1: She wasn't. Well, those aren't even the same thing.
0: They're not the same thing. Yeah, first of all, they're not the same thing. Secondly... She wasn't doing that. Now, if she were, I don't think, I think you should be able to say, I think we should have a national divorce without people piling on you and accusing you of wanting a civil war or something. Um, but that wasn't even what she was saying. They're getting it wrong anyway. She was just saying, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was descriptive language. She was saying, this is what I think would be possible in the event of a national divorce. That's descriptive, that's not prescriptive. That's not saying, this is what we should do. Right. I want this to happen. It's like, well, if this happened, Then I think this. So look at this headline. This is a Democrat demands that Congress expel Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, that's not actually the one I was looking at earlier, but that'll do. Um, There are headlines that say they basically called on her to be expelled from Congress for pushing a civil war. That's what they're accusing her of. Pushing for civil war, pushing for national divorce. And
1: by the way, yeah, again, I'm going to underline this. They're not the same thing. And if you want a peaceful separation, you vote for congressmen who talk about a national divorce and you get it to happen. In a vote in states and in Washington, like that, the most peaceful solution would be for people to agree on a divorce, I mean, the way to get a civil war, which is exactly what the media would love, uh, would be to not allow anyone to talk about it and to say that every kind of conversation about a national divorce is a conversation about a civil war, which is ridiculous. Although probably showing their hand.
0: Okay, you know, it's so weird, Carter. This article, it's a salon. Oh, I see. There it is. Let me send this to you. This is a headline. The link's not working for some reason. It keeps linking to that raw story piece. But Beverly, put this image up. This is Salon. Um, The Salon headline, as you're pulling it up, it says, Marjorie Taylor Greene must be expelled for toying with the idea of civil war. (laughs) She didn't. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't. And so I I just think it's related to the January 6th thing because – they have this narrative they're concocting. They're they're of course also saying that she's part of some insurgency that happened on January sixth, and they're trying to tie her to that also. And um, and this further lying about you know her what she had to say about in the event of a national divorce. I think this is kind of crazy. Uh, but but here's a thought I had. When she got banned on Twitter, you can do a search for her name, and you can see thousands and thousands of people celebrating. And they're all like, you know, we got a birthday present, a New Year's birthday present, Marjorie Taylor Greene got banned, yay, and they're all excited. And then they're calling for the heads of more people that they want banned. Sure. It's the very it's the very same people who are saying that they don't want a divorce, that we're not allowed to talk about national divorce, that they don't want a divorce. It's those same people who are creating two Americas. All of us that signed up on Getter this weekend, why? Why is everybody going to other platforms? Because of this banning and this censorship, they are driving us into two Americas. They are they are furthering this siloing of information and ideas. They are creating these two different worlds, this dual economy that we talk about happening, that's as a, a result of their policies. They're creating the two Americas.
2: Yeah. The very but, people but if we,
0: it.
1: Yeah, but again, if we look at this, if we look at this in terms of the mass formation psychosis. Of course they are because th- what they don't want is a divorce because a divorce means the scapegoat is the one – the scapegoats are asking for a divorce and they go over here and now you don't have the scapegoats anymore. So what the hell are you going to do? They need they need the scapegoats. They don't want a divorce. They want two different – they want an underclass is what they want. They want an untouchable class in society that they can blame all of their failures on because their ideas suck. And they're going to c- continue to implement their ideas. And there's going to be more and more pain over time. And everyone will suffer because their ideas suck so bad that there's it's inevitable that things will get worse. And they need someone to blame. They need the untouchable class to blame. And right now, they are creating that class out of anti-vaxxers. I'm not even going to call them anti-vaxxers. They're, they're creating that class out of people who are questioning the COVID mandates. That's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah so everything they're doing is pushing is dividing us into two americas they divide us along racial lines they tell us we have to look at the world with this racial lens we have to they divide us along the vaccinated lines they divide us along political party lines and 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 now it's like they're they're actively participating in and celebrating censoring anyone who doesn't walk in lockstep with them censoring and deplatforming those people and pushing them out of their little woke world go over to these other platforms you're not welcome here amongst the woke okay go over to the other platform you're creating these two worlds and then decrying it and then decrying it it's
1: right I don't well
0: know, it just it just be-
1: because they the, my- you know they can't admit they don't want to say that they're doing that obviously
0: yeah of course <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know why that was so, it just occurred to me. It's like, what are you talking about? She can't comment on the possibility of a national divorce. Then she gets banned, which is furthering the possibility of a national divorce. You you guys, you know, you banned Robert Malone. I was thinking about people like Weinstein who are probably more idealistic than I am now. I used to be that idealistic. But I, th- I was thinking about his unity party and stuff. And I was thinking about how he's been so maligned and defamed and how he's he's being called all the he's being called crazy and all these things because he doesn't fall in line with the Covidian narrative. And I was thinking about Brett Weinstein and and, you know, he's gonna be banned one day. <laughs> he's gonna be banned what? one day. He's gonna be on a, he's gonna be in this other world. This guy who's trying to prevent a national divorce is gonna be pushed out. And pushed onto the other platforms. Yeah. <sighs> it's inevitable
1: Someone, in some yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I I it's the Finest City Cycling gets a super chat and says, but Cal exit was cool so long as it was the resistance doing it. Hashtag resistance doing it. Yeah, but you gotta understand Cal exit's only cool when they felt like they couldn't. So here here maybe this isn't the best analogy, but um Alcatraz Island here in the Bay Area, it's no longer a prison, but the building's still there, right? It could be a prison. It's just a tourist attraction, right? Imagine you're all together with crazy leftists on Alcatraz Island. They have a vision for Alcatraz, and you're like, hey, how about we divide the island or we take some boats and go to Angel Island over there and you guys stay, whatever, like, let's let's separate. No, they want to play jailer. Their goal is to put you in jail and to make it a jail. They want to be the jailer. That's what they want. So you're like, hey, we will. How about a national divorce? No, 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 no. We need to put you in jail and torture you. That's what we're doing. We need to be in charge of you. Like a divorce doesn't make us in charge of you. Yeah, it's that's the kind of craziness. It is. It's like um. It's like an abusive spouse who you're pretty sure like despises their spouse but still doesn't want to get divorced it's because they want to keep beating on them that's why they don't want to divorce they want to be in control that's what these people are like they want to be in control of you
0: yeah it is (sighs) i've learned so much in the past year about the analogies between individual abusers and abusive belief systems or abusive movements and I don't know. It always lines up. It's the same thing. It's like, no, like, like fatal attraction. I will not be ignored. Like, no, you can't go live yeah. in your life. I will yeah. be in your life forever in one way or another. Right. <laughs> so now, By the way, well, I'm going to just,
1: I'm going to, just because I've been a capitalist for decades, I'm going to pull this back to the, this is what it's like to be a capitalist and has been forever in a conversation with a socialist or a commie. And you say, Hey, I want a society in which you're free to go build your commune over there and i'm free to not join and be over here and we don't have to talk to each other because it's voluntary and you know if it works out yeah. for you great and if it sucks for me oh well in capitalism they're allowed to do that but in communism they're not allowed to <laughs> they don't want they yeah. don't want voluntarism. they don't want people to be free enough to make their own choices they want control they want control <laughs>
0: Yeah. If you ask them too, there was some woman who jumped in my thread and she of course started saying a lot of, I don't know, media-driven stuff, like, oh, the right wants to overthrow the government and whatever. Um, But I asked her something like, for a union of states, shouldn't it be a voluntary union? Do you want to force states to stay in the union? Do you want to force them? Yes. And yeah, she couldn't answer it, but she just linked me to an article that I've already read. I've read before. It's the article everyone sends when you talk about Texas. What's the article? Oh, it's, it's an article that says it's illegal. It's illegal. Cares. Or- what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Anyone who uses
1: that <laughs> argument when talking about governments and, like, hey, maybe these two gov- – maybe the, another government should be foreign and the government should – like, whenever you're having that discussion, it's illegal is a retarded answer. It's
0: like – it's just, Yeah. It's – Yes, uh, it was illegal
1: to revolt <laughs> against the fucking crown. Yes, it's illegal. <laughs> Who the fuck cares?
0: <laughs> by the way, it's – by the way, that may be the, the case for a state like Nevada – because it's written into their state constitution that they can't leave the union. But that's not the case for Texas. I mean, you can't can they even amend their if- constitution. They could, yeah. The, the, yeah, they could amend their constitution, right? But so this article in particular though is funny because it wants you to believe, I agree with you by the way, Carter, it doesn't matter if it were illegal, but it's not illegal. And, they, and if you read the whole article, I've read it before. She sent me the same one I've read here. I'm sending it to you now. The only the only argument that this article makes is a Supreme Court decision, because they can't point to our state constitution. They can't point. To, so they say, well, in the case of Texas v. White, it was determined that Texas cannot succeed. Well, okay, that's a Supreme. That's one Supreme Court decision. Do you live in a world where you imagine? That the Supreme Court has never been wrong and never overturned. Because if you do live in that world, allow me to introduce you to the Dred Scott case. (laughs) I mean, and countless other cases.
1: Yeah, this is the mentality of this is the perfect little status to NPC mentality, right? It's like, well, they said we can't do it. Well, we said four masks. They said five shots. They said, oh, the Supreme Court ruled you can't do it. All right, well. You suck. I don't want to be in a country with you. You suck. Yeah. Who wants to be in a country with someone like that?
0: There's a great, actually, I, I sent it to her and I doubt she read it, but there's a great piece online on uh, from the book Texit, which we read for book club. It's an excerpt where you can read the whole chapter on the legality. And uh, I'm going to put it in chat right now if you guys want to yeah, read that. It's got great arguments. I mean, it has arguments. Imagine that. <laughs> It takes each one apart. It addresses the Supreme Court decision. It talks about the Constitution. It talks about the, the federal Constitution and the state Constitution. It's, it's a great piece to read. Um, Supreme
1: Court precedent is not law. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's Supreme Court precedent. That's all it is. All right. <laughs> Let's do some Beverly, more Super
0: Chats. While you're going to pull up the Super Chats, Beverly just asked me, my box if I can adjust it you guys don't know this but when we first started my camera wasn't working right you could see my whole box and they're like what's (laughs) happening there again (laughs) don't say that stop (laughs) saying that language well because see look it's this box that's sitting here because because the (laughs) audio is so bad in this room since I moved everything out that somebody in the chat I don't know which one of you it was but somebody told me try putting your microphone in a box and that'll fix the echo problems while your room is empty but anyway we're, we're having box problems today
1: <laughs> i wanted carrie to be under a blanket with a little flashlight yes uh, but
0: i'm trying Beverly. leave
1: it was not i know
0: okay.
1: uh all right andrew Joyner gives us 10 pounds and says so no lockdowns for us for the time being in the uk they seem to be recognizing this new strain ain't that deadly keeping my fingers crossed happy new year folks it's hard because it's hard for them because the new strain it's hard to make the new strain the scapegoat because it's not really
2: yeah
1: that bad so. right Well, it, by the way, the whole um the whole mass formation thing, if you think about it in the context of the great reset, it fits so well, right? Because it's the great reset's like well, what if climate change is the fit is the scapegoat? Well, that didn't work. COVID can now be the scapegoat, scapegoat, which they say explicitly, like they're not – it's not a conspiracy theory. They say explicitly it, – it's pretty clear that their their plan is like to get mass formation, to, to leverage mass formation to do whatever it is that they want to do. Um, Thomas St. Thomas says they won't allow divorce for the same reason free blacks in the south were terrorized. We can't allow prisoners to see freedom and to have hope. Hi, <laughs> right, guys. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's always hard for them when you have like a free society next to a not free society where like basically everything else is the same. I mean, they don't like to talk about North and South Korea very much. (laughs) Like, I wonder why that is. They don't like to talk about the difference between East and West Germany very much. Right, they don't. They don't like to point out that, hey, if you take a population and even randomly, just randomly select people and stick some people in a free society and some people in a socialist utopia, the socialist utopia eats itself and dies, and the free society, you know, takes off and yeah, maybe has problems, but yeah. does much better. They also,
0: and, they and, almost, and then inevitably, think...
1: all the socialists want to go to the free society because they ran out of resources and need exactly. to kill someone else. Yeah. They
0: all—they always say things like, uh, like even in these Twitter threads where they were accusing Marjorie Taylor Greene of, of pushing for a national divorce or worse, push mm-hmm. for civil war. Neither of which she did. But in these threads, they always say things like, "Let the red states leave and see how they fail without us." It's like, okay, if you really believe that, then then let, let sure. them. Sure,
1: they'll do but that. But you, won't let, them, you right. won't let
0: them. You won't let them because you don't believe that. And right. and look at and we know that you're going to go to the free states. We know that you're hypocrites. Look at uh, AOC over the holidays. She's in. Oh, was the best. <laughs> maskless in Florida yes. with a friend. Enjoying being outside in a free state without having to mask up while pushing for mask mandates. Like again, oh, and
1: bad mouth and DeSantis left and right. And and yeah, being yeah. condemning Florida Publicly, yeah. and enjoying it privately.
0: DeSantis hasn't made any public appearances in two weeks. Well, uh, it's the holidays, and his wife has cancer. Like, what is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. ALC is amazing, though. I love how she also turned it into her a discussion about her own sexual market value. Immediately, that was her her own response. Oh. She had no response. She was yeah, like, "Republicans want to f me." Like, mm, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Anybody who criticizes her secretly wants to have sex with her. Where have I heard that before? There seems to be another narcissistic sociopath <laughs> in my life who says that all the time. You, that's a, Don't I, flatter I'm
1: yourself, think, AOC. It's not yeah, the that's bar. A,
0: that's a red flag for narcissism, I think. If people criticize you and yeah. they're like, oh, you secretly want me, it's like, gross. Mm. You think very highly of yourself.
1: Yeah. Um Oh, someone said Pelosi is moving there. Is Pelosi moving to Florida? I did not hear that. I have not been paying attention. She lives right right here in San Francisco. And well, like, and they're all getting
0: they're all getting homes here. And in Texas, they're doing the same thing, all getting homes here. Now, some of them, I don't know if they've even committed to leave the failing the, the the failing blue cities yet. They're just getting these backup plans they can afford to because and they're driving all the prices up. And I talked to this uh, this lady at a title company. Over the holiday. And she said the majority of the homes that she's signing over now in the title and the closings, the majority of the homes are going to Californians. And most of them aren't even living here. It's like they're going to Airbnb it and have it as a backup plan. And, you know, and she said, just, I get so excited when it's a family actually moving into a house.
1: The, just so people know, the the mainstream media fact checkers take that for what you would like uh say that it's not true that she's not she didn't buy a 25 million dollar house she's not moving to florida that's just not, i i can't imagine it based on
0: oh, what i
1: know of her relationship to the bay area but um and as ross has mentioned if she would be retiring she would retire to mordor i agree that's probably where she would choose to go um <laughs> so you know florida's not the place for her. uh christopher Gore gives us a super chat and says With MTG, one pretext is as good as another. They have their list, and they are systematically going down it.
0: With MTG. Oh, to attack her. I see. Yeah. They'll attack her for any reason. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because she's a wrong thinker.
0: (sighs) By the way, when I went on Getter this weekend... They, it hadn't been on there it's like a who's who of all the people we've forgotten who've been banned from <laughs> so like they're like jones
1: everyone you're yeah,
0: like oh, like alex jones is there you're like oh my <laughs> gosh i forgot, that. I steve mean, Bannon, I forgot him
1: <laughs> steve bannon's allowed
0: to tweet i mean just people that you're not used to seeing because you don't see them on social media you don't see them on one platform anymore and you're like right. oh he's been over here this whole time still talking but i know steve bannon's on there because uh the war room podcast they talk about it all the time um but just to see them there and Count is over there and they're oh, all yeah. you know you're like all these oh, people yeah. that I, forgot,
1: yeah. I forgot missed about Count their you.
0: commentary you know it's kind of funny yeah yeah. somebody did a There's meme prob- of it was like That's heaven it. and it was all these people like Alex Jones and Count Dankula <laughs> and Steve Bannon it was heaven and then it was MTG coming up on the clouds like ascending yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> death and a rebirth like oh, robert Malone was up there <laughs> the internet is still funny
1: it is let's do a couple more super chats here before we move on uh Alfajanek it says I'm not sure if any activist types know about this con- consciously. If collectivists and individualists sort into different states, there are no productive people left to parasite. They can't allow it. Yeah, I don't know if they know it consciously either. I think it's unlikely that the normies know it, like the people, the people wearing Che Guevara t-shirts at Berkeley don't know that. But um, I think there's a there's a Pollyanna view though of which you see in Marx, right? There's this Pollyanna view of, um, humans as, um, bi- biological or as, as, as blank slates, right. That can be imprinted on. And so, um, they think that if they do it right, that benevolence and brotherly love will motivate people to contribute and be productive. Um, and it does a little bit and actually, um, what you see when you socialize something, let's talk about healthcare for a second. Um, a lot of the doctors who, um, you know, became doctors who are now doctors, uh, who years ago got their degrees and whatever, they had a particular motivation to go become a doctor. Um, part of it might have been financial. Part of it was probably they, you know, cared about people and wanted to, they, you know, had some took some pride in their work and all that kind of stuff. And they wanted to, to do what they thought was a noble profession. Some of them were psychopaths, apparently. Um, but uh, they went. They went and did this. And um, if they, when they get immediately socialized, which we're not completely socialized in the U.S., but close, right? When they get socialized, um, a lot of the incentives change for being in a profession like that. And so, but but you still have the older people that were there. And so it takes a couple generations for the mindset and the motivations to manifest and, and for the old attitudes to die out so let's just maybe a better example is let's let you say like you have a, a shopkeeper let's just say you have a shopkeeper who opens a shop cares about his customers tries to make the best shop possible like there's a certain work ethic associated with that well he's the owner of the shop and you socialize it he's more likely kind of to stay in that mindset a little bit and be like, well, it's socialized now, but I'm still doing a job. I kind of feel a sense of ownership and I'm, I'm still, I have pride in my work and whatever. But two generations later, the person that ends up owning that shop doesn't give a shit about the productivity or the customers or anything because no skin off their back. They don't care. They don't get credit for anything. They've done good. They don't get any rewards. They don't get it. Punishments. They don't get like, there's no consequences to anything. It doesn't matter. Um, and you end up with people who want that job in a socialist state, who are like, "Well, I think being a shopkeeper would be a sweet job." Like, okay, yes. like that's that's the that's what you get. You get people who are like, "That'd be a sweet job." I, you know, that's the kind of job yeah. I want. Instead of people who are motivated to do the work necessary. Um, and yes. so right away, socialism always par- is parasitic off of capitalism, and it and it lasts. There is some momentum for a couple generations of both both monetary momentum because they've seized assets, but also there is psychological momentum still in the population. And this fantasy that their new generation of kids will pop out suddenly like or, or be or be programmed in government schools to be just as productive for some Marxist cause. Just isn't true it just doesn't happen it's impossible it doesn't happen it's it flies in the face of everything we know about human psychology and and everything right so it doesn't happen so they end up with jokes in the soviet union like they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work like that's what happens right and then they die because they run out of money and they said you know or they annex some capitalist or pseudo-capitalist mixed economy somewhere and steal all those resources
0: and then they say it it wasn't really tried
1: (laughs) right yeah yeah it wasn't tried
0: i would do it better if i were in charge
1: yeah khrushchev was a Uh, problem but i'm i've got it
0: (laughs) i would have implemented it the right way they uh one quick correction in real time people were saying count d'angelo is still on Twitter. yes i'm sorry (laughs) i confused him for sargon they live in the same place in my brain Sargon. Oh, it's funny
1: that you said Sargon. that. I was thinking to myself. What about Sargon? Because they live in the same place in my brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you know, how there's Sargon. like some people you always confuse for each other, or some movies that you get, or books, or because yeah. you store them in the same filing cabinet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like Trump and Hitler. No. no I'm <laughs> Lentis,
0: yes, I'm sure
1: they do. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh keith the hat guy gives us 10 bucks and says texas versus white 1869 no surprise the chief justice appointed by lincoln would ignore the constitutional issue the false opinion secession is illegal scota's role now is to back up power grabs by the government yeah and, and it was their role back then right it would have been a big deal if they had ruled against lincoln um cheeky mayor okay. hey cheeky mayor i to read this
0: from cheeky Happy hi it was Go good ahead. to see you She says uh, there's a potential split coming in the Methodist church. Leftist pastors started toning down their views when they figured out that the right members are the big givers. The split equals lost job security. (laughs) That's like socialism and
1: communism in the Methodist church played out. Leftism, it's like, oh, oh, the righties have money. And they give money. They, they give money. money yeah. and actually
0: stats show that conservatives give more. I never knew actually, that. I think I they're leftist.
1: not more wealthy, but they do give more.
0: Yeah, They give more because yeah. they believe in not all conservatives, but they believe in less government giving for taking and giving for you. <laughs> they're more like, no, it's my personal responsibility to give. Yeah.
1: yeah. I also think that there's a level of, and I, I imagine you might agree with this. I don't know. I'm not a conservative, but, uh, I imagine there's a psychological level of gratitude that the left does not cultivate at all in conservatives, especially I'll I'll say in many Christian – I don't know about Methodist church, but in many Christian communities, um, there's a level of gratitude that's cultivated. And when you feel gratitude, you're much more likely to be generous to someone who's down on their luck or whatever and like wants to be giving because you feel gratitude. And leftists generally don't feel gratitude aside from the hippies who – who say that they feel gratitude and name things gratitude. Uh, m- most leftists, I-, I think, tends to be resentful um, and bitter and lack gratitude. Um, they certainly don't have any kind of gratitude for the wonders of uh, individualism and freedom that they are enjoying living in, in the United States. They certainly have zero gratitude for any they, any they history don't. that brought them here, that's for sure. Social
0: justice. The social justice part of the left in particular no, it doesn't, there's no gratitude. It's, it's the opposite. It's resentment. Gratitude's right. the antidote to resentment. We've talked about it before. I think that was uh, I think that was Jordan Peterson who first introduced that idea to me. But it is, it is in practice. It is gratitude is the antidote to resentment. And and right. that belief system is not about gratitude. It's about right. resenting. So why would so they when, be about giving? Right, because when you're in a resenting, you're in that. Um, I've heard some people talk about it in that whole glass half empty versus half full kind of, or the, uh, uh, gosh, what was this one spiritual? I used to go to this spiritual church when I was, when I first started going to church, it was like the spiritual center in LA and he talked about living a life of looking at the life, looking at the world as like from a spirit of abundance versus a spirit right. of a whack and they have a spirit of whack. And when you have a spirit of whack, on to everything like a miserly like oh, my, I don't want to lose it. anything it's a lack the world owes me so much I don't have enough right you can't give Right. the spirit it, of abundance it, it, is it, like <laughs> give give give
1: yeah incidentally they project they project that miserliness onto their uh, understanding of what business owners are right this is why you end up with, with characters like Dickens Scrooge right where he imagines like well that's how it is no, that's cuz you're a miser. It's because you have no gratitude. It's because yes. you are resentful that you imagine that. In actuality, many successful people aren't like that at all. In fact, if you go to like if you go to any of the kind of standard normie success programs that help you train your psychology, you you bump smack into that Tony Robbins like thing that you're talking about which is switch to an abundance mindset, like give blah blah. Like that's, that's actually the advice given to people who want to become successful. So yes. it's, it's the miserable, it's the miserable humanities majors who are at, who are baristas at Starbucks and pissed about it that don't give. Yeah. Um,
0: Somebody asked if I they majored
1: in women's studies. Sorry.
0: Spirit of whack. No, spirit of whack. L-A-C-K. <laughs> Lack.
1: The spirit of whack is also <laughs> not good. All right. Well, I guess in in the Methodist Church,
0: uh, well, they're figuring that out. I'm not surprised that there's that there's a split, and also that they're trying to pull it back a little bit now that they they realize who are the big givers in their church. But I think that this split's gonna have, there's a it doesn't matter what denomination, just. My gut is telling me, um, just looking around the world at me, there's a big split coming in the church, the Christian church in general, no matter how you interpret that, whatever denomination. There is, because there are the churches that uh shut down and complied with lockdown orders, which in I don't believe Jesus would ever be like, cool, yeah, shut the doors to everyone. There are the churches that are requiring vax passports as if that would be something Jesus would co-sign. No way. I've seen people who claim to be Christian on Twitter, these blue check marks, arguing in uh, uh, on behalf of discrimination and, and cowardliness. And I'm like, that is not what Christianity is about. So you know what? There's going to be a big split, just like the two Americas I was talking about. There's going to be two different. The church is going to go in two different directions. And it's going to be like the wheat in the chaff, and just get rid of the chaff. Let it blow away. Those churches are going to die. Nobody wants that. I don't want that lube, that milk toast crap.
1: Well, I'm, look, <laughs> I'm not a Christian, but I, I distinctly remember Jesus saying something about closing the church doors to lepers and. Uh...
0: No, he didn't. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> uh... Wait, remember we were going to do that sketch with Jesus being like, you know. Bring the little children unto me, only with their vax passport. If they haven't been vaxported, <laughs> yes, yes, only maps, <laughs> children with vax
1: passports. Yeah, right. And keep those lepers out. Um,
0: if you love me, no, you will get this medical procedure," said Jesus. Never, never.
1: <laughs> I just, I was thinking about this while we were talking about, and I just, I think I can distill this. I'm trying to distill my my thoughts on charity charity from individualists is about giving charity from authoritarians is about taking specifically it's about redistributing right so yes charity from individuals is about oh what would i like to give of my own volition people should be able to do that charity from authoritarians is what can i take from people and redistribute those aren't the same thing in fact one is the antithesis of the other um so No social program, in my mind, no social program paid through taxes is charity. Um, It's theft and redistribution. It's not charity. They call it charity. But charity is when you give personally.
0: Yes. It's a personal thing. People don't want any personal responsibility for anything anymore. It seems it's like, let the government take and give because I can't do the, the, they always talk about doing the work, but they don't really want to do any personal work. They don't really want to be like... What can I afford to give? See, one of the things I like about Christianity, and I know there are people in our community who kind of fall in line with the Jordan Peterson School of Thought, where he says, if you ask him if he believes in God, he says, I behave as if I believe God exists. And so even if you're that type of person, I think that's because you can recognize there are certain things that are good practice. And I think it's good practice to um, tell your congregation to tithe. To encourage that because sometimes people you have to that whole idea of like faking it till you make it like that may not be the best way to describe it but practicing something until it becomes habit until it becomes natural and a part of you and for some for one person that might be giving they might have to be compelled or told in their belief system to give in order for it to become incorporated into their spirit and for another person it might be um being told, what's another guideline? Well, no sexual impurity, no sexual immorality, and these are the rules for sex, right? Why? Well, they might need to follow those rules because they wouldn't, they're good for them and they wouldn't come to a decision on their own that these are good for them. And maybe they do after they practice it. I guess what I'm saying is there might be some value in encouraging people to practice things that don't come naturally to them, you know? Oh, of course right away
1: yeah that sense. Uh, yeah n- no of course i'm sorry i'm i want to comment on it but i'm stuck what are you laughing? On this. Uh, renovatio says as jesus was on the cross and those around him asked for forgiveness he said i blame the unvaccinated get your booster <laughs> I... <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> the it's book absurd, right? of
1: saint renovatio yes
0: <laughs>
1: <It's> <laughs> absurd. Uh, um yes i you're right i mean and and I mean this is known this is known to the ancients it's no everyone knows this right this is we all know that self discipline is important we all have areas we struggle um someone pointed out earlier that I look like I ate a lot over christmas yeah totally uh, we all have areas we struggle right but um even if you look at socrates right it's you know, even the ancients knew that self discipline was super important And that this is how you improve. And self-discipline basically means doing what Carrie's talking about, which is like, I don't want to do it, but I've decided to do it. Even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't want to do it, I've decided to do it. That's what self-discipline is. That's what it is.
0: And if you're lucky, you do the gym, even though you don't want to do the gym until you love doing the gym.
1: Yeah, Eventually, yeah. The gym is a great example, right? The first two weeks of going, I'm back, so I'm going working out again and back eating well, and like it's been two days or whatever, right? So I did the New Year's resolution thing. Um, The first two weeks sucks. Everyone knows that if you haven't gone to the gym for a while, the first couple weeks blows chunks. It sucks, but people who go for more than two weeks also know that actually it starts to be enjoyable. Actually, it starts to be, or at least okay, and you're like, oh, this is a routine that I kind of – there's some things I enjoy about it and it's okay yes. and like it doesn't blow chunks anymore. Um, but you only know that because you did it a lot of times when it sucked because you decided to do it, not because you felt like getting up and going to the gym. Yeah. <sighs> Let's read another Super Chat. There's a couple more. Andrew Joyner says, any thoughts on the Dr. Malone interview on Rogan?
0: I've only I watched watch- – Carter hasn't watched it. I've only watched clips of it. My husband was watching it and I, I heard snippets here and there. I think my, my thoughts are more about um, the fact that Rogan gave him an, a platform from which to talk when Twitter had censored him. I think that's amazing. And I saw someone phrase it, it might've been served said something like uh, the fate of Western civilization may come down the shoulders of Joe Rogan, proving that God is a comedian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well actually beverly pull up the tweet that i have in notion that said, it's it says joe rogan and there's a there's a link to a tweet underneath it i did i mean i know joe rogan's big but this is just a just for people to understand i this is a hopeful this is a hopeful chart for me let's see if she can pull it up or if she's too busy excited that i used the phrase blowing chunks Okay, so this is the the Q3 third quarter 2021 media ratings, average viewers per show in the millions. This is a chart comparing the Joe Rogan experience to Tucker Carlson, The Five, Hannity, Fox News Primetime, The Ingram Angle, The Rachel Maddow Show, MSNBC Primetime, and CNN Primetime. Joe Rogan clocks in at 11 million viewers per show the next closest is tucker carlson at 3.24 rachel is way down at 2.2 i mean cnn primetime is down at 0.82 joe rogan i think if you added them up they would be collectively more than joe but i mean he is significantly bigger than all of the competition all of it um so you know what so the guy got banned from Twitter and CNN's never going to have him on. Who the hell cares? The world is not paying attention to CNN. The world's paying attention to Joe Rogan. Which you know, I don't love everything about Joe Rogan either, but I don't love everything about anyone. So Joe Rogan's pretty great in many, many ways. He's he's pretty awesome and he's the right kind of guy to do this because he appeals to a lot of regular people and he's willing to have on anyone, right? And have them have the conversation and that's what we need actual conversation. Look how much more people want a real conversation than they want to hear CNN crap. 0.82 He's He's 10 times. He's over 10 times more uh, viewers than the CNN primetime average is Joe Rogan. Look how much more they care about real discussions that are taboo or go off in places that are against the narrative or whatever than they care to hear what Brian Stetler has to say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This is the truth. This is what people yeah. want. They want, most people, I mean, maybe most people are freedom lovers, even if they are under varying degrees of mass psychosis, even if they have bought into some of those psychological forces and the psychological um, threats and, the, and that they've given over part of themselves to it, they still at heart, I believe people want to be free. Most people. Some people don't. Yeah. Some people want a boss. They want a daddy. Yeah. But.
1: Which is a separate psychosis <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> All right. Uh, Hattie Dave says, love you guys. Hey, Hattie Dave. Thank you very much. I don't know what the czar is. What are czars? Do you remember? Is that a Is that a South African currency? I don't know. Someone tell us in chat. G-Man says, had this convo with my brother over Christmas about the number of charities we have despite taxation. He thinks society would collapse without federal force. He'll be the first against the wall. Yeah, it depends on what he calls society. I mean, without federal force, many government agencies would indeed collapse as they should. Uh, Society will be fine. We'll go on, you know, figuring out ways to feed ourselves and raise our children and educate them and, you know half businesses that that's not we don't really need the government for any of that um
0: super iron bob thank you okay. super iron bob gives us 10 bucks and says further unsolicited weight loss advice if you have weight to lose try losing five to, 10 to 15 pounds first before going to the gym you'll still have the fat person muscles which makes moving much more fun
1: <laughs> yeah i look i personally i just gained a little bit of weight because you know I let myself enjoy the holidays, and we had a little baby, and I let that be an excuse to not working out and stuff. But eh, I go through this. I'll be back. It's fine. I didn't lose a lot of muscle mass as my lifting this morning demonstrated, so I'm OK. I just so- I just have extra. I got extra.
0: <laughs> I'm with you, Carter. I actually the same thing. Uh- I saw Keith the Hat guy says the Joe Rogan interview with Dr. Robert Malone is awesome and chilling. Actually, I do want to watch the whole thing maybe before Friday, then we can talk about our thoughts on it.
1: I yeah, I time do want to watch it. I, I blissfully didn't pay attention to anything going on over the holidays, so people are like, "Did you watch this? Did you see that?" I'm like, "No, I, I didn't," and I'm really glad I didn't. Although, yeah, now I gotta go do it, so I get that. Uh, so, okay. And it, these are Rand. Those were rands. Those are South African Rands. Okay. All right, I don't think I have anything else that we really need to discuss, Carrie. But I just kind of just wanted to go into uh, January.
0: I wanted 6th. to just go
1: into the new year with like, hey, kind of a chill episode. We'll do another one on Friday. Someone says you all see Jack Murphy. I, I saw a clip of him yelling at what's her face, uh, but I didn't research much beyond that. Um,
0: I did. I saw it.
1: So, uh yeah i mean i don't
0: care. i'm sorry here's what here's all i have to say i do I well, we've talked about this before i do, i do, i do care about i just don't think people should make idols out of men that's all that's what i was thinking about after oh, I, all that. i agree
1: with that i don't know all the details so like maybe i should care about something or other i just like i saw he yelled uh and There's then a I saw after
0: that him yeah. tweet
1: later saying that he made up with her and their friends. I'm like, all right, well, it's between them. He yelled at her and I'm like, I don't like, I'm not really paying attention to what. I, you said there was a shooting actually also, which I didn't know. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Involving
1: someone in his community, I I, I don't know.
0: I, He's I don't, not responsible I, for what people in his community do though.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Like if there was, you
0: know,
1: yeah. If, anyway, if someone in our community more. goes and does something, I'm not taking responsibility for it, unless it's awesome, in which case, uh, we will totally take credit. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> just make idols out of men. That's it.
0: Huh? Yeah, yeah. Of
1: course, of course not. Yeah, I, I, that's just one of these. Like, I people really love to worship other people, though. They really love to put someone up on a pedestal and be like, that person is perfect and blah, 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 blah. And by the way, it sucks to be that person, I imagine, because then you're under a shit ton of pressure to never do anything wrong and never make a mistake. And then and a lot of people are very bad at admitting when they've made mistakes and saying like, hey, this is an error in judgment or whatever I made or I did this and like I regret it. But like, you know, I, I don't understand. I, don't, I actually maybe this is autistic of me. I don't understand the desire to worship a particular person. Like there's people that I really respect. Most of them are dead, but there's people that actually, I really respect. But like I wouldn't be like, oh, whatever that person does is awesome. That person's great. Like I don't, I don't understand.
0: I know a lot of. I think actually a lot of autistic people get pulled into you sometimes. Oh really? Here or worship, yeah, because they've. Uh, well, statistically, remember there are these studies we write about how autistic people well, have a hard time. judging when somebody's lying to them and manipulating them sometimes on average they do Mm. so they can be often be targets for for narcissists yeah who pull them in and are like you know they can't read the uh, nonverbal cues as well some autistic people can't but anyway yeah I agree I don't understand it on some level I do but on another level I don't here's how I understand it I had to learn a lesson about making idols of, of kinds of things and people and in my personal life I learned not to make an idol even of my husband even of my spouse maybe that's a christian idea maybe a maybe, i don't know your spouse. yeah because <laughs> no, well, yeah, yeah. But, but but thinking that this person will always be there and this person is going to fill every need and and no that's god like <laughs> you can't you're like oh this person yeah like, I mean, that's God. just
1: ridiculous that's just like denying reality this yeah. person will fill every one of my needs really
0: really yeah. you, <laughs> like, how long have you
1: lived on earth is that possible like that's, there's no possible way that's true i don't care who your soulmate is um so
0: yeah i, but I think people I think do that and they they also do it real quick they also do it with um personalities that they follow i saw um well, Trump wait, is an wait, example
1: wait. our audience won't like Trump me saying that but like Trump's an example of like oh, mass totally. love for Trump yeah
0: and Jordan Peterson even who I adore mm. but I saw people have put him in that God spot where when he said anything they might disagree with it was devastating to them and they you know when he's he said something about Cavanaugh um, I didn't agree with it either oh, I he said yep. should step down I didn't agree with it either but that's okay I disagree with him on this one thing. But there were people who took it like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know you, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> like, like.
1: <Right>. Because because <laughs> if you view him as God, then it's like God made an error and that like shatters your worldview. And it's like, yeah. well, because <laughs> yeah. God doesn't exactly. make errors if you believe in a God. Right. So like it's like, oh, this is suddenly suddenly he's not yeah, who I thought he was. I, I do want to say I think it's super valuable, though, to have heroes. And yes. when I when I use the word heroes, I mean in – usually in scoped ways. Like there are people yes. who I – I'll say idolize, but I mean I think – look up to and, and think are heroes in terms of running a business. But probably not in terms of other things, right? There are people that I look up to as heroes of like fitness but not running a business or having their emotional – like yeah. social life together, right? Like there are different things people are really good at and it's it's inspiring and great to have heroes that say, like this person is really good at this thing. I'm going to admire them for that thing and and look up to them for that thing. Not 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 for everything. Uh, that's yeah, just not for everything.
0: Crazy. Plus somebody, actually a friend that was asking me what's the difference between a hero and an idol? And I thought that was a great question. I was thinking about it a lot. I know how I would answer it from a Christian perspective informing my opinion, I guess. I don't know how you would answer it, but what I would say is uh, a, a, a hero, an idol is when you put the hero in that God position. It's when they, you think they can do no wrong and you worship them. Like, and it
1: Yeah, I, there, I don't worship a phrase hero, hero worship, and yeah. I think that becomes an idol at that point. Yeah. At
0: that point it's an idol, yeah. That person's now an yeah. idol. With a hero, I was trying to think like you, I agree, that it should be scaled down. And most of my heroes are you know, personal. Like my grandmother is my hero and True. my husband's my hero and you are my hero in some ways. My Carlo is my hero in some ways. Like in different like you said, different spheres. And so it's sort right. of, and it's personal. It's not like, I don't have that many, uh, I, I guess I don't have that many uh, uh, public figure like huge public figures. Jordan Peterson's a hero to me in some ways, absolutely. I was yeah, going to say, it's fine.
1: okay to have huge ones, right? Someone in chat yeah. just mentioned, mentioned Eric Clapton. Like, yeah, if you like playing guitar, you could be like, he's my hero for guitar playing, I guess, right? I don't, I don't play guitar, but. Sure, like that. That makes sense, I guess. Right? Like, if you played basketball, it would be. Uh, I'm old. I would say Michael Jordan, but like I don't know Kobe Bryant or whoever. Like yeah. Now, right? It is, like, okay. That that's fine, right? But you don't look at someone. I mean, there are particular <laughs> like. I, I just
0: read Thomas and quote. He's it's okay to have huge ones. So it's
1: okay, ladies. It's okay to have huge ones and men. <laughs> different ones. Yeah uh
0: (laughs) anyway we're on the same page
1: yeah no i i I agree and 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 i think one thing that makes an idol an idol is that it's worshiped above all else it's put as the primary right um and that's obviously not healthy so
0: yeah have a great rest of monday the most january 3rd the most boring day of the year
1: Wait, wait. We have one one super chat from Adam Coleman. We should read, and then we can go. Okay.
0: Hi, Adam.
1: Adam Coleman says, "Happy New Year, y'all. I would hate to be one of those people who are pedlist- pedestalized. Pedestal. Pedestalized. Is that a word? Putting on a pedestal is now a verb. I'd rather be inspirational than idolized. Yeah. I, yes. I think that I don't think healthy people want to be idolized. Um. I think it grosses Correct. them out. Correct.
0: Correct." Um, so. i have been pedestaled by a bad person and it was it felt gross it should feel gross it's weird it's like i'm not an idol
1: yeah I, in fact if someone puts you on a pedestal that's a red flag
0: it's a red flag they're gonna yeah. knock that thing down off of you at some point probably yeah. well, because they're setting you they
1: are no no they're setting you yeah. up for failure Right. Yes. This is why you end up with fans who shoot John Lennon. Right. It's why you end up with people that are like, they, I idol- I don't know if that's exactly the case yeah. in that, in that scenario, but you, you, they idolize someone so much, they put them up on this pedestal and then one little thing sets them off and all of that energy. Yes. Um, is, is suddenly inverted to hatred. Like all of that, yes. like all of that worship is suddenly, uh, becomes how much they despise you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, I I like a lot about how Elon Musk runs businesses. I don't like all of how he runs businesses, but, I like, I'm impressed by a lot of Elon Musk's work. Not all of it, but a lot of it. But if he suddenly fails, like, if Tesla and SpaceX go bankrupt tomorrow and rockets blow up, I mean, that would be sad, but rockets blow up and whatever, like, and he dies alone in poverty, I'll be sad for him. And I'll be like, yeah, that that sucks. I thought he was really good at doing X, Y, and Z, but it's not like he's not so idolized that it will devastate me. It's like, oh, all right, well, I guess I, you know, it's like if Kobe Bryant suddenly starts sucking at basketball, it's like, well, all right, well, he was good for a while, and now he sucks, and like, you're not going to turn homicidal because of it. But if you believe Kobe Bryant is God, and he then he says something that you don't like,
0: yeah. That's dangerous.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Thank you guys for joining us. Ah, one more, one more. Uh, one more. Wait, wait, one. one more. i naked says I followed and read everything Sam Harris has ever done. His behavior regarding people he calls friends was the first betrayal that I felt personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, well, I only read The End of Faith and I never really read anything else of his. He was fine, but I never got into him.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Anything else? Are we we're good? We can wrap it up?
0: I think we can wrap it up. All right. I have more thoughts, but they're not perfectly formed. So I better not go down that rabbit hole. It'll be another 20 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching. Don't forget, we have Book Club coming up on January 30th, Crime and Punishment. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore unsaved space. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I'm sure that Susan will... Her New Year's resolution was probably to unsubscribe as many people and purge people from wrong-thinking YouTube channels as possible. Possibly purge the channels. So, uh
2: In the interest yeah, so of the greater
1: sure good. Yes, of course. Um, Enron, Utreon, Odyssey. Probably somewhere else. Live. All right. That's all I can think of.
0: <laughs> DLive?
1: live yeah, I know. Okay. All right. Have a good one, everyone. I assume Beverly Bye. will roll the credits. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our unsafe space chat on Telegram. See you there.
2: Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by Dr. Fauci. All praise be to his name. The following co-conspirators have been asking too many questions. You know what to do. Once the Maxwell trial is over, we promise there will be no more pedophiles among the ruling class. Just one more job to combat the Zeta variant. Oops, I mean the Omicron variant. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't.